Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. This is Case 16, Mulholland. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a role-playing game filled with cosmic horror, existential dread, and the little bits of mystery meat found in Grandpa's famous chili. Your investigators of the unknown are... Brian as Ben McKnight. Guys, these aren't mushrooms again, right? Lupine as Rosa Garcia. As long as my goats aren't here, I don't really care. And Matt as Diego Kennedy. Wow, I mean... I wouldn't write that in my journal, but, uh, oof, she got some imagination. Welcome, everybody. How's it? How are y'all doing today? Good. Feeling good? You survived this heat wave and all that nonsense? I was indoors the whole day. I felt like I was moving. But, you know, the good news is that summer is dwindling and spooky season is just around the corner. In fact, I've already picked up the new monster serials, Carmella Creeper and Monster Mash. And that got me to thinking. If you found yourself at a Halloween Monster Mash party this year, which creature from movies or TV would you try to woo and why? Elvira. Need I say more? Come on now. Leaning toward the Jersey Devil. Yes, I am also a strange satanic creature from New Jersey. So we have something in common. None of them because parties are icky. Well, guys, I would definitely go with either Pumpkinhead or Rawhead Rex because, well, it's right there in the name, isn't it? (laughs) Listeners, if you would like to drop us a letter from beyond, please visit lovecrafttapes.com anytime and fill out our contact form. We accept well-considered criticism, fawning praise, and even found footage of Bigfoot doing the Humpty Dance. This show is brought to you in part by our generous fans and supporters on patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes. So thank you to Jordy Rose, Barry Robeson, Itulia, Brownie Davis, Elizabeth Grieve, Chris Parker, John Scarcella, The Frilled Shark, Kyle Sherman, Huge Pie, Lil Rowan Plays, Amanda Power, Jefferson Bell, Ripley Iwin, Eric Zane, Olda Polkert, Mitch L., Andrew Petty, Eric Phillips, Malamber 57, Frank Delventhal, Dom Driver, Horse Straper, Discordiant, Prophet of Woe, Boston Harbor Horror, Robert Jameson, David Winterman, Liz Moonberry, Stephen Gregory, Chainsaw Unicorn, Shelly DM, Captain Vashton, Peter VDB, Flix Capacitator, Shane Stoley, James Brown, Ineptus the Stardust, Matthew, Divinia Von Zarevich, Kevin C. Oddity, Phoenix Black, Oritako, Ruined Ashes, Brindle Stubbs, A.E. Jonesy, J. Clark, Marty Dixon, Bot Tran, Rolling Boxcars, J.R., K.A., Reaper Jones, Sean McConnell, Poppy Mama, Jeffrey Young, Bifford, Ryan Hill, Holden Olmans, LMF10, Phil Campbell, Nicholas Hutto, John Konopasic, John Caballero, Kevin G, Mick Cope, Robert Lamb, Tomas, Mickey Sith, Benjamin King, Surrett and Wizard of Isinglass, Jehovah's Thickness, Steve L, Matt Sister, literally, Claude, Jack, and Jeff Howie. Thanks, guys. Appreciate all the support. Before we begin, we need to take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. Has this ever happened to you? Oh no! I dropped my box of red wine and now my pristine white plush shack carpeting is stained for life! Egads, that is a catastrophe of epic proportions, or at least, it used to be. Thanks to us sciencey eggheads over at HW Industries, that unsightly splotch beneath your feet can just disappear within minutes. Our patent-pending breakthrough technology we call Demon Be Gone will banish any stain before your eyes, guaranteed. But now, how does it work, you ask? Well, aren't you the nosy one? I'll give you that. Contractually, I don't have to answer your question, but since I like you so much, here's the short version. We don't know! You see, science is an imperfect, well... Science. 
That might sound redundant, but hear me out. Sometimes we have to venture beyond our test tubes and computer machines and white lab coats to solve certain problems. When that situation arises, we slip into our black cultist robes and bring out certain arcane tomes of great power, and sometimes we even have to sacrifice the odd virgin or two. Nobody can argue with the results. Just look at our stock prices. What does all this have to do with Demon Be Gone? Plenty, chum. Once we've extracted the necessary components from our ritual, we can then analyze, replicate, and bottle the formula for mass consumption. Only a heady admixture of sorcery and mathematics, plus little human sacrifice, can cure your everyday house cleaning woes. Hooray! Demon Be Gone got that red wine stain out of my beautiful ivory carpet. Thanks, Herbert West! You're welcome, happy homemaker. And remember, if it's not West, it's not the best. <laughs>And we're back. If you were to establish a cult worshipping that product and their service, what would it be called? The Cult of the Immovable Rod. Loose sack, I'd call it. I don't know what it would be called, but it'd be really easy to pitch it as a special to Netflix, and I would make so much money. Those are so good. I'm tempted to join right now, but my cult would be named Heaven's Pedestrian Entrance, No Vehicles Allowed. And I'm working on the Nike sponsorship. Parking in rear? It is time, my friends, to play... K-16, tape seven. He said, Zhang Shu said. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. Not everything is always what it seems on the placid surface. And sometimes it takes a keen eye to spy the awful truth which lurks beneath in the deep. Rosa and Ben make the most of their sequestered time in the counselor cabin, unearthing new information about Brigitte and Nikki that may implicate one of them in Peter's death. Or undeath. Diego, spurred on by a sense of chivalry and tangled emotion accompanies Brigitte to meet the rest of her family, unwittingly embroiled in an ageless drama that could derail his life or set it on a new course. With adult supervision seemingly out of the picture for the moment, our heroes must fend for themselves against forces they are only just now beginning to understand. Diego. As you jot down the last of your notes in Rosa's journal, you hear Lindsay's unmistakable voice shout from outside, Peter, no, get away! Oh yeah, again with this, a douche. <sighs> Time to go teach someone a lesson. And I'm going to grab one of the untipped arrows from the quiver under the bed and walk out of the cabin towards the sound of her voice. And what do you do with the journal? Uh, I'm going to stick it back where I found it. In her footlocker. Yeah. So you quickly stash the journal in Rose's footlocker and grab one of the arrows quickly from the quiver and make for the door. You're a few feet away when it slams open and Harcourt is standing there. He has blood on his lips and his gaze is slightly off center and he begins talking almost to himself i just, I, just, I was i just repeated everything i just it, it wasn't true i did, I, I didn't even make it up I, you believe me right diego and he's looking at you but sort of over your shoulder hey whoa slow down there buddy i'm just going to give him a couple of taps on the cheek and you can see he's compulsively chewing on his tongue and that's where the blood's coming from drooling down one corner of his mouth you there buddy snap out of it why don't you give me a psychoanalysis roll? I needed a one. I rolled an eight, which is pretty damn close, honestly. 
We're going to spend the lock. Uh, it seems that the sound of your voice and the smack you gave him upside the face as shaking him out. He's like, Diego, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, my God. Um, it's it's Peter, man. Um, he's He's got Counselor Tammy. He dragged her into the first aid cabin. I don't know. There's something wrong with him. I mean, there was something wrong with him the first time I met him, too. That's not anything new. No, dude, that's not it. Like, he was dead. And now he's not dead. No, no. They just said that there was something wrong with him. They didn't say it was, you know... Kaput. They lied. Something happened and we saw him. He was dead on the stretcher. Oh, boy. You know where Rosa and Ben are right now? I don't know. T- Counselor Tammy was talking to them. They they had us sequestered in different places. And, and then we just came out. We, we heard a crash and we went out of the mess hall. And there was Counselor Tammy lying down in the dirt. And then Peter was coming out and these things were coming out of his mouth. And he grabbed her and started dragging her back into the first aid cabin. Cool arrow, though. Oh, yeah, thanks. I uh, took the little safety thing off the tip. Uh, you want one? I got I got a bunch of them. Yeah, I'll take one. Cool. I'm going to walk back in and grab a second arrow and walk back out. And here you go. Just be careful. That thing's actually sharp. I, I literally took the time to sharpen these. So it's a it's a real thing now. Okay. All right. Well, I, I guess I could jab him or something. I wasn't actually going to hit the guy. I was going to, you know, maybe poke at him to scare him a bit. But I think he's... Beyond that, he's like, the guy in my story. It wasn't my story. I was just repeating it. Oh, the ghost thing you were talking about that one night at the fire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, he got back up and he's alive again. Uh, None of those are real. There's probably some whole long-winded prank that they'd set up to try and mess with us after we, you know, went back out into the woods and we said we weren't supposed to. And now they're trying to, you know, scare us straight. You think so? Let's go find out. And I'm going to close the door and start walking towards the first aid cabin. So the two of you depart the barracks, closing the door behind you. Ben. The terrified shout from Lindsay back up the hill acts as a shock to your system. How could you have forgotten about her? Your grip tightens on the boat oar in your hands. Rosa, you watch Ben's body go rigid as Lindsay's cry rings out, and you feel the kids behind on the docks stir with agitation and confusion. One of them, a pale-skinned boy with a crew cut and acne, asks nervously, What's going on up there? Where's Counselor Tammy? I don't know. You guys, you guys stay here. Ben, let's go. I'll follow you. Ben and Rosa make their way up the hill. Speed walk? Power walk? Not really a yog. A power walk would be more of a pog. Grandma at the mall on a Sunday. I realize that she's going a little bit faster, so I do a couple quick runs to catch up and then slow back down, and then a couple quick runs to catch up. And what the fuck are you doing? I'm not an NPC. You can walk at the same speed as me. You can hear the kids murmuring behind you back at the docks as they talk amongst themselves as to whether or not to follow you, but you told them to stay there, and you have the oars, so you must have a measure of authority. We're all fucking sheep. Oh, great. Now we're in Lord of the Flies. I have the cunt. And you hear and feel a wind blow across the lake. It's almost like ushering you further up the hill. A cloud scuds over the sun, dropping everything into deeper shadow. And the first thing you see at the crest of the hill is Harcourt and Diego coming out of the barracks, walking toward the mess hall, but probably making a beeline beyond that to the first aid cabin. I'm going to yell out to Diego. Oh, hey. Hey, long time no see. How are things going for you? Where have you been? We've been looking for you. It's a whole thing. Once we're back at the uh, the barracks, I'll, I'll let you know. I wrote everything down. Dude, Peter came back to life. See, that's what he said. I think you've been watching one too many of the movies. We saw him. He was dead. I checked. He's attacked Tammy. I think she's dead. We barricaded him inside the first aid shed, but... He broke out. We gotta protect the kids down by the lake. I got an arrow. Me, me too, guys. I got, I got an arrow as well. Yeah, I gave him one. We should have got one for Lindsay. She's in the mess hall. She's in the mess hall. I left her there. I, I don't remember much. You left her there? We've got to check on her. Yeah, let's go get her. The more people we have, the better. All right. Point, turn, and swivel away from the first aid cabin towards the mess hall. Sashay and then jazz hands, and then we're heading to the mess hall. So Diego opens up the door to the mess hall. 
Lindsay is over against the wall that faces the first aid cabin, looking out one of the windows, and she pivots quickly toward you. Ben! Oh, hi, Diego. Hi, Rosa. Hi, 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 Harcourt. Hey, Ben! What am I, chopped liver? And she practically rushes towards the front door. In slow motion, please, please, in slow motion. She starts in regular motion, and then all of a sudden it's slow motion. As she runs up, I'm going to kind of scoop her into me and put her head on my shoulder. And you could feel her warm, trembling body against yours. Breath, hitch sobbing against your neck. Harcourt, did you tell about Peter? We know about Peter. Are you okay? That's what's important right now. He took Counselor Tammy. We know. We're going to go try to help. Do you want to stay here or do you want to help? Of course I want to help. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. And she rushes back towards the front of the mess hall where there are... Mops. Tell me there's mops. She comes back with a spatula that is about two feet long, serrated on one edge, has a honed tip to it. And she rushes back to the group and says, would this work? That's perfect. Where's everybody else? They're down by the lake. We told them to stay down there because then they can swim away if needed. Maybe uh, Harcourt and I can go down and help protect them? Yeah, that's a really good idea. Just try to keep them calm, okay? I'm going to grab my last piece of uh, Bazooka Joe bubblegum, and I'm going to give it to Lindsay. If you get nervous, just chew on this. Okay, we'll, we'll wait for you down by the docks then. Don't be long. Well, if we don't think we can handle it, we'll just come back down. If we're too long, you're going to assume we're dead. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Rosa. Were you here this entire time? I'm sorry about that. Oh, Diego, where the hell did you come from? <laughs> Please be careful. And she gives a little peck on the cheek to Ben. Uh, I thought you were going to say Rosa. Harcourt and Lindsay exit the mess hall and run towards the docks down below. What I'm thinking is we have somebody taunt him out and one of us on each side of that doorway and we just wail on him when he comes out. Are you volunteering then? Of course. Anything to save Miss Tammy. Diego, do you want my oar? Do you think that'd pack more of a punch? If Diego's going to stand on the other side of the door, we should probably go have oars. Is everybody ready? As good as we'll ever get. So as you approach the cabin, you see that the doorway is wide open. Clearly somebody or something had burst from within. I believe you guys had put a bench or something in front of the door. Big heavy bench, yep. That is hurled aside, snapped in two. Oh, The door, which was already sort of off its hinges to begin with, is completely missing from the door jam. And... You see a thin trail of blood leading inside into darkness, as well as a slightly slick icarus fluid that appears to be translucent. He's a slug and we need lots of salt. Diego, wait, wait, wait. Go around the back to get to that side. Trailer Park Diego's go around the outside, round the outside, round the outside. It's true. Seen it. Sounds like Diego skirts to the... Right side, and then sidles up next to the doorway. Diego, as you get closer to the doorway, you hear... Sounds like a wet sucking sound. I'm going on the other side. So currently, Diego is on the right side, and Rosa is on the left side. Just maybe a foot or two away from the actual doorway. Pressed up against the wall of the first aid cabin, looking in confusion and worry toward Ben, who has not yet heard the sound. Why are you looking at me weird? I just heard Rose sucking you. Seeing the concern on Rose's face, I'm going to approach, but slower than I had anticipated. Give me a spot hidden. I need a 45, I rolled a 70. So you see the darkness inside, pregnant with opportunity and mystery and horror open my mouth and a squeak comes out hey you should get out of there and then i am going to turn on my heels and bolt down to the lake i am poised to smack something if it comes out of the cabin i don't care what it is Uh, i'm also gonna wind up and get ready to swing at whatever pops out of that door As soon as Ben turns on his heel and begins running back down the hill, Rosa and Diego hear a pause in the sickly sucking sound. And then it sounds like somebody retching. And you hear a high-pitched squeak 
as several leeches race out of the doorway in Ben's general direction. These leeches are approximately six inches long, relatively thin, gray-black skin, very familiar membranous quality to them, Diego, and slimy, leaving behind a trail of translucent gelatinous material. They're not moving terribly fast. I want to wait until something else comes out of the cabin. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to be like, dear, and be like, Ugh, and then just whack straight down on them. Go ahead and uh, take a swing. I needed a 48. I rolled a 66. That's a failure. <laughs> the fact that it is the same color as the thing you saw earlier today does give you a slight pause for it. It's almost as if you miss on purpose. And the things continue on down the path in the same direction Ben's running. He must have gotten their attention. And you continue to hear the sucking sound from within the cabin. If we wait a few more seconds, do we see anything else come out of the cabin? You wait, give a pause and a breath, and Ben dips below the hill so you don't see him anymore. And nothing else comes out of the cabin. Peeking stealthily. Well, that sounds like a stealth then. Oh, I rolled a fumble. 98 over 20. You lean in to see like what's happening in there and you stumble over a piece of broken bench and you fall halfway into the doorway, dropping your oar. It goes skittering inside the first aid cabin where you can clearly see Peter on top of Counselor Tammy his mouth sealed to hers. But as soon as he hears you, he looks up, his eyes white like a pale, dead, bloated fish, and one last leech slug thing slips out of his mouth and drops into hers. And then he's up and stumbling towards you. Would like to try to get away. We're in combat now, and you are prone. Peter... Has a dex of 35. Rosa has a dex of 50. Diego. 80. What would you like to do? Seeing Rosa flat on the floor, first instinct is I'm going to bring the paddle down from my ready position and kind of hold on to it with one hand and use the other to try and pick her up and put her back on her feet. All right. Take her out of the uh, prone position. That sounds like it's going to be probably just a strength roll. You ready for this? You want to know what my strength is? 69. (laughs) Nice. Ah, Nice. Uh, I needed a 69. I rolled a 58, which is a success. So you reach in and grab Rosa's arm, help her hoist up, and she attains her feet, but wobbling because she's clearly put off by something that is inside the cabin. We got to get to the kitchen. Let's go. What? Come on. Come on. We got to go. Why the kitchen? Because now I'm running towards the kitchen. Back to the mess hall. Why are you going to the kitchen? Out pops Peter. Uh Uh-oh. So Diego, you see for the first time Peter in his undead state. He's clearly dead. He is bloodless, sunken eyes that are blank, like the underbelly of a deflated goat, maybe? Too soon? So I'm going to need you to make a sanity roll, please. I fumbled my sanity roll. Oops. Come back next week to meet my new character, guys. Here's the bad news. (laughs) That's going to be a max sanity loss. That is eight points. Now you're chewing on Harcourt's tongue. (laughs) And it's delicious. (laughs) You need to roll intelligence. I needed a 60. I rolled a 47. That's a success. So that's bad news because that means you understand the horror. You comprehend what is actually going on. You actually went below your threshold. So you are now temporarily insane. Your Cthulhu mythos is going to go up Five points. The bad news is I'll have a new character next week. So because you are temporarily insane, I need you to roll a D10, please. I rolled a nine. So, Diego, that means for nine hours, you will be temporarily insane. Why does this happen to me and only me? God damn it. Get your insanity off my lawn. Damn it, Bobby. Quit going insane in my camper. Go ahead and give me a D10, if you wouldn't mind. I rolled a 10. All right, I'm going to need you to roll a D100, please. 
I rolled a 78. Okay, I'm going to keep this in my back pocket, or I'm going to try to. Diego has this mania. All right, so we'll keep that a secret until it actually makes sense. And Peter takes a swipe at you, misses entirely, but his beefy arm takes a chunk out of the door frame. And splinters go flying, a few shards of wood embed in your cheek. And that's when your involuntary reaction kicks in. Do jumping jacks! So seeing him in the state that he is, I immediately just see that creature from the swamp. And I'm struck with those same feelings of terror and uncertainty. And I'm just immediately going to collapse to the ground in front of him in like a groveling position with my head down on the the ground and my hands out in front of me, mumbling uh, father, mother over and over again. Rosa, you enter the mess hall. You can see the table and chairs where Counselor Tammy had been interrogating Lindsay and Harcourt earlier, trying to get their side of the story. Other than that, it's empty. I would like to run for the kitchen. Once there, I want to grab the salt. You do? Yeah, actually, it's a great big five-pound box of kosher salt. I imagine that I can like carry it under my arm and grab stuff out of it with my other hand and like throw it. Pocket salt. I'm going to start running back towards the first aid cabin with my box of salt. Ben, you reach the docks out of breath. And you see all of the kids, most of the kids, actually, there are a couple kids who have already embarked on canoes and are, for some reason, paddling towards the opposite shore. They're about halfway across the lake. A few other ones are looking at you with perplexion and trying to determine if you're in trouble or... Bad time, kids. Leeches can swim. You notice they're looking over your shoulder as you approach them. Like, what, is he following me? And I'm going to look behind myself. You're looking at the top of the hill, expecting Peter or Diego or Rosa to breach the top of the hill, and you don't see anything. And then the cloud moves away from the sun, casting bright rays down upon the pathway upon which you had just trod. And you hear these little screams. Looks like leeches moving quickly through the dirt in your direction. What the what? What are those things, man? I don't know. You got something to hit them with? I look around and see if there's another ore or anything else I can pick up quickly. Yeah, there's one uh, in a canoe just a couple steps away. I'm going to grab the ore and uh, run towards the leeches. And you see two arrows fly through the air. One pinning one of the leeches where it squeals and dies. And the other one cutting it in half. And you see Harcourt and Lindsay to your left with satisfied smiles on their faces. Damn. And the third one cuts right and makes its way down the embankment away from you. Towards the lake? Yep, towards the waterfront. I'm going to chase it. Go ahead and give me a fight and brawl. I need a 29 roll to 45, so obviously I failed. So you take a swing at it, and it, to your surprise, leaps into the water. Whoa. And is gone beneath the surface. Ben, are you okay? I am, thank you. I didn't know you were such a good shot. I didn't know either. I I dropped my notebook and just threw the arrow, and I guess I'm a natural? I'm going to run up to her and grab her on each cheek and kiss her on the mouth. Ooh. Well, it was just the one arrow, Ben. Thank you for saving me. Ben, what's going on up there? I don't know. I We, we had a plan to where they were going to knock him out as soon as he chased me out of the building, but I don't see him, so they must have got him. It might be okay to go back up. They might need our help. Okay, I'll grab my arrow. Okay, um, I'm going to grab my oar that I threw at the leech. And Lindsay is just sort of standing there, wavering with her lips pursed. Lindsay. Oh, what? Yeah. We got to go. Come on. I reached my hand out to grab her hand. I'll grab my arrow. Oh, oh, this thing. Oh, what is that? Is that like a worm? I think it's a leech, but I've never seen one like this before. Hmm, I better record this. And she pulls out her journal and you can see she's like sketching the image of the leech. Rosa, you turn the corner and you see Diego on his hands and knees in the doorway to the first aid cabin. No sign of Peter. Dude, are you okay? What's going on? I'm going to approach very cautiously. On my knees, head on the ground, hands out in front of me, mumbling something. You're in the cult of the leech now? The cult of Robin Leech, yes. What are you doing? Why are you like that? Try to grab him and get him to his fate. He appears to be 
dazed but responsive to your touch, and he regains his feet. What happened? Where's Peter? Yeah, I'm just going to stare at her. If I look inside the cabin, do I see anything? Go ahead and give me a spot hidden. So I rolled a 75 over a 25, which is a veil. Tammy is lying on the floor of the cabin and breathing heavily. Slowly approach her and sort of like nudge her with my foot. Uh, Was it Rosa? Rosa, is it you? Yeah. Here, swallow this. I'm going to like sprinkle some salt in her mouth. (coughs) What is that? It's going to keep the leeches from, I don't know. The what? I don't have time to explain. Are you okay? Can you sit here? What happened? Where I thought I saw Peter, but he's dead. Let me sit up. Or I'm going to help her to sit against the wall. And she does. She slides over against the wall and sits up and coughs a few times. You see this black liquid coming out of her mouth onto her hands. I'm going to make sure not to get it on any get it on me. What what happened? <coughs> Rosa. I can't really explain right now because I've got to go try to help the others. You should stay here. I don't feel so good. And I sprinkle salt in a circle around her. What is this? It's going to protect you. From what? From from the thing that made you feel bad. It's just, just trust me, okay? Sit against the wall. Where are the kids? Won't someone think of the children? I don't think you're in a position to do anything, really. So you need to you need to stay here. <gasps> I just need a minute. Can you get me some water? Salt? Ugh. Yeah. Okay. There's a sink over on the wall. I'm going to grab the glass that's next to it and, and fill it up and, and bring her a glass of water. Uh, thanks. Thanks. And she just empties it in one long draft. Do you want some more? <coughs> yeah, please. I'm going to fill it up again and give it to her. Oh, my throat. I need to go and see if I can help the other kids, okay? Okay. Well, what's what's with Diego? He's just standing there. I'm not sure. You need to stay here, okay? Okay. I'll, I'll stay here. Come back soon, all right? Oh, my head. You just rest. Okay. And I'm going to run and grab Diego's shirt sleeve and have him come with me. And he follows you, slowly coming out of his days. Going towards the docks because I think that's the direction that Ben went. You see Ben and Lindsay and Harcourt. Coming up the hill, back up towards you guys. You guys, what ha- what happened? You wouldn't believe it. I just, I like shot the arrow and I mean, I shoot it. I threw it and like the thing, like, and it splattered. Wow, that's great, Harcourt. So what happened? They killed two of the three, I guess, leeches? The slugs? Sleeches? Or lugs? The only thing I can think is that they look a lot like slugs. And whenever there's slugs in my mom's garden, she tells me to put salt on them. I always put salt in your eyes. Always put salt on your slugs. It also works on caterpillars. I don't know if you knew that. It doesn't work on caterpillars. It does. If you put enough. If you put enough salt, it'll work on anything. Good to know. I'm going to gesture to the big box of salt I have under my What happened? I don't know. Did you see where Peter went? I thought you were going to get him. I thought so too. He didn't come out of the building. So is he still in there then? No, he's he's not in there because because Tammy's alone and something happened to Diego. I don't know what. Is Tammy okay? Is she alive? For now. I saw him like drop some of those leechy sluggy things in her mouth. Is she going to turn into one of like him? I'm afraid so. I tried everything I could think of. I put her in a circle of salt. Maybe that'll stop her. Lindsay is just like jotting furiously in her journal. Okay, okay. So what is happening now? There's leeches and mouths. They came out of Peter's mouth and he like put them into Tammy's mouth. Isn't that how they make babies? Baby leeches. Oh, that's so sick. It's gross. So Peter kissed Tammy and there was, oh, that's how they got a leech in her mouth? You know how they talk about people kissing and like transferring things? Yeah. They transferred the leech things. How how soon does it happen? I don't know. She said she doesn't feel so good. Oh, I don't feel so good. Do I need to worry about you? I mean, Ben kissed me. Does he have leeches? I don't have leeches, Lindsay. How do I know? Because I, I helped you fight them. I wouldn't kill my own kind. Do you or your family members have leeches? You may be entitled to financial compensation. <laughs> of salt. Sounds like Ben's going to need to do a little bit of a charm, fast talk, or persuade, or even psychoanalysis to attempt to calm Lindsay after you kissed her. But then also, now that she's aware that kissing might lead to leeches. It's true. Abstinence is always the choice. He had leeches already. Probably persuade. 
I needed a 15 and rolled a 26. So Lindsay sidles over closer to Harcourt, further away from Ben, and takes a tighter grip on the arrow. The guy who chooses tongue? Smart. And holds her hand to her stomach. Fine, I don't care. Come on, we gotta find Peter. You guys didn't see him, did you? Diego, where did Peter go? I'm gonna put my finger up slowly and just touch his eyeball. Harcourt goes up to Diego. Man, are you okay? Uh, remember, it's us. Like, we're the archery guys, right? We're like Robin Hood. Come on, man. Step out of it. Hey, dude, 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 dude. I got a ho-ho. And he pulls out a ho-ho. Offers it to you. Gonna slowly reach up for it and just unwrap it and silently start eating it. Guys, he's cool. He's cool. Don't worry about it. We got the ho-ho fix going on. It's all right. As long as it's not a snowball. That's later. <laughs> <laughs> this is a family show. A corrupted family show. Guys, Diego's cool, man. We gotta find Peter, so he must have gone into the woods. Or into the counselor cabin? Let's go check that first, I guess. Guys, if he's gone and not hurting anybody, do we really want to search him out? Maybe we should get Tammy and get in a canoe and go to the center of the lake or something. Didn't you say the leech went into the lake? Oh, yeah, yeah. Never mind. While they're all arguing, I'm just going to start walking back towards the barracks. Guys, where's Diego going? I'm just going to follow him. I'm actually torn because the leech has freaked me out and nobody knows where he's at. And if Tammy's going to become one of them as well, I'm really hesitant to keep pushing forward and attack. But I'm going to follow because I don't want to be by myself. So the three of you move silently away from the rest of the folks who are at the docks. And Harcourt is looking between the three of you and back towards Lindsay who is hanging back, reluctant to join you. Diego is the first one to breach the top of the hill. And Rosa, you're right behind him, so you see him, strangely, heading to the left towards the barracks. So beyond the first aid cabin, past the mess hall. I'm just following him. This one time we, we visited some of my relatives and I saw the way that they prayed in church. That was the way that he looked. And it almost makes me wonder if something broke his mind or something and he is worshiping that thing. If he is going in a certain direction, maybe he's going back to it. And Ben, of course, you see all this too. Yeah, I'm still very, very nervous, but I'm going to push forward. And Lindsay and Harcourt are staying back, correct? Yeah. At this point, you guys are at the top of the hill and have lost sight of Harcourt and Lindsay. That's when I activate my leeches on Lindsay. You've activated my trap card. And you're having a leech baby. You get a leech baby. You get a leech baby. Everybody gets a leech baby. Diego, you reach the barracks. Step inside, look around for a second, and then... Head over to Rose's footlocker to get her journal. I'm going to follow him over to my footlocker. Hey, my, my journal. Get away from that. That's mine. And I'm going to grab it out of his hands. And you immediately see that he has turned your journal for some reason to the back where you had not yet recorded anything. And yet there's handwriting there. And it is the same handwriting as what you saw earlier on the paper towel that said went to Woods looking for Peter, it is Diego's handwriting. And it is a complete log of what had happened, apparently, to him in the woods earlier. So it starts off with me talking about how I was alone in the cabin when Brigitte came in and how surprised I was that she was talking. Summarizes that she asked me for help because Nikki was missing, and so we snuck out through the back window of the cabin and she led me through the woods uh, until we got right to the edge of a clearing. And she was talking to me about their father and mother, and she wanted me to meet her folks. And I thought it was really weird at the time, but I felt like it was okay. So I went with her into the clearing. And then it talks about how the giant monster shows up out of the swamp. And I give a you know brief description of it based on what I could remember. And it talks about how Brigitte and Nikki are the same person. And I saw them kind of switching back and forth and how weird that was. And then it talks about how Brigitte wants me to help her kill that monster and how I'm going to take the sharpened arrows that I have in the bow down to the lake at midnight. And I'm going to uh, wait for it to show up and I'm going to try and shoot it to kill it. Rosa, 
I'm going to need you to roll sanity for having read that. Ooh, extreme success with a nine under an 80. As you read this and you constantly glance up to see his facial composure, and you can see that this is serious. He recorded this and he believes it, and therefore you believe it. It all sort of begins to connect. And you feel that Diego has actually gone through what he has recorded. The most disturbing part of this, obviously, is the fact that Nikki is Brigitte and vice versa. But we saw them in the same place at the same time. (laughs) You never did. You realize now you never saw the two of them together. Because I was very careful about plotting. Yes, you were. (laughs) Well played, Jeremy. Wait, Clark Kent is Superman. The only trouble is, how are you going to make Ben understand this? I'm going to turn to Diego. This this already happened to you, didn't it? Reach under the bed and pull out the bow and arrow. We have to finish this tonight. Nobody else gets hurt. And that's when a form blocks out the sunlight in the doorway to the barracks. The three of you whirl around to see Counselor Tammy, who immediately clutches her head and screams, It's eating my brain! And vomits, leeches, and blood from her mouth onto the floor in a wet splash. And it's the sight of the blood that triggers Diego's newfound fear hemophobia. Oh, shit. And he races to the back of the barracks and jumps out the window. Tune in next time as we play another reel of the Lovecraft tapes. Hemophobia, how do you feel about that? I like it. It really fucks everything up. So, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Come on, fumbles. Two in one game. Oh, yes. That is rough. So, let me review. Uh, yeah, no successful rolls for me. <laughs> I succeeded on my sand. I succeeded on my strength roll and then immediately fumbled. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, now it's time for some hashtag recommendos where we share some of our geeky obsessions. Bryce, start us off, please. I kind of like Star Wars and the Star Wars universe. My second favorite character next to Lando Calrissian is Ahsoka Tano. And Ahsoka just launched at the beginning of this month. And it's four episodes in and I am in pure heaven. The show is very well done. I would say it's definitely at movie quality, special effects. The storytelling is precise. A lot of stuff just happened in episode four that I'm still processing. It's taken a turn that I did not expect and pleasantly surprised by. If you like Star Wars at all, Ahsoka first appeared in The Clone Wars, which is an animated series that was on for several years, and then it took a hiatus, and then it came back for one more final season on Disney+. And also in Star Wars Rebels, which is also an animated series, very well written, gives a lot of backstory to what happens in between The Clone Wars, Order 66, and after the fall of, of everything, right, right up to that edge. Um, this takes place after both of those, and it's basically just continuing, and Rosario Dawson is really, really good at playing this part. Uh, if you if you like Star Wars, or if you just want a good action movie with lightsabers, watch Ahsoka on Disney+. Plus. It is really good. Awesome. Thank you, Bri. And Matt, you're up next. Really, there's only one choice this week. Uh, it is Starfield, uh, Bethesda's latest and greatest. It is a, a an RPG set in a, a future where humanity has finally spread out amongst the stars, and you more or less take a role in this group called Constellation, who are a well-known group of explorers whose whole mission it is is to seek out the unknown, and you get pulled into this plot of these strange artifacts that nobody quite understands that might be linked to something bigger. But at the same time, being a Bethesda RPG, there's 
just so much to do all over the place. You can explore planets, you can set up and build bases, you can join a multitude of factions which all have their own crazy in-depth quest lines. Uh, you can take the time to custom build your own starship from the ground up if that's what you want to do. I've played this game pretty much non-stop since it came out. I have almost 24 hours into this game total and I am absolutely hooked. It's just such a good game if you're a big fan of Bethesda RPGs like Fallout or Skyrim because it's very much that mindset of yes there is a bigger story here but the real adventure is the stuff you do along the way to to build your own your own path and your own story, whether that's you join, you know, this faction instead of this one, or you decide to take your time to go rescue this character, or you just spend a lot of hours, you know, settling different planets and building bases. There's a multitude of things to do. I'm going to be playing this game for a long time because there's just so much to it. There's so much possibility, especially when you take in the fact that things like the way you create your character, so the skills you choose, uh, the backgrounds that you pick, your traits and character abilities all influence what you can do in terms of providing solutions to different problems or unlocking different dialogue options that may allow you to find some information that you may not have been able to find otherwise. You can tell there's a whole lot of love and care taken into this game, and it really has been what they've put their all into for the past, you know, seven, eight years it's been worked on, and it is very much worth picking up and spending some time with. Um, I will caveat that in saying that the first couple hours of the game can be kind of slow. Uh, working your way through the tutorial is a little dry, but once you get past the tutorial, you get to the first big city and you finish the your first big story mission is really when the game opens up and you can kind of go wherever you want from there. So if you're willing to give it a little bit of time, it is a game that you will be spending a lot more time with. Thank you, Matt. All right, uh, Lupine, you're up next. I am going to recommend a book. I'm going to recommend Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno Garcia. It's a little bit of a retelling of, um, if you've ever read um, We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson, it's a little bit like that, where sort of the house has a mind of its own, warps the inhabitants as well as the inhabitants warping the other inhabitants. This is a little bit different from that. There's somebody, an outsider, who actually comes into the, the ecosystem of the house and they have a fresh new take on it and they can see what's happening. And it isn't up to you, the reader, to decide what is truly like horrific and you have a sympathetic main character who also says what the actual fuck is going on. The book is about a girl named Denomi. It's fun because she's also an unlikely heroine rescuer person because she is very much a debutante in every sense of the word. She's just out there to party and have fun. She's 19 years old and she is living it up. In Mexico City because she, you know, her family is rich. You know, in the very first chapter, she talks about dating all the eligible bachelors and then getting tired of them and moving on. She's very much the kind of person who doesn't have a careful way about her life. Her father gets this letter from her cousin who just recently got married. And the cousin recently got married to a British man saying that he's doing horrible psychological torture things to her. So her father's like, we have to go check this out because if this comes out, it'll be a huge scandal for the family. So he actually sends Nomi, which I'm kind of like, if you thought that this was happening, why would you send your daughter to the house of this abuser? <laughs> and so she goes, she goes from Mexico City to like the rural Mexico. She's got to deal with her cousin who is, sounds like she's having a mental nervous breakdown. She's got to do this all in a new household with a new bunch of people. And so it's just a very interesting coming of age in the sense that she has to grow up because she's the only person in the house who might be okay. Uh, I highly recommend it. It won the Goodreads Choice Award in 2020 for winner of Best Horror. And I have had friends rave about it. Again, I've been wanting to read it forever and I finally got around to it. Definitely recommend that everybody try out Mexican Gothic by Silvia Miranda Gar Garcia. Very good. Yeah, I have actually heard of that. I'm definitely interested. 
All right, guys, I'm up next, up last, actually. Um, as you know, I'm a sucker for Giallo movies, primarily due to Dario Argento's expert proliferation of genre films in that vein during the 70s and 80s, you know, Suspiria, Deep Red, and all that sort of thing. Although, I have to admit that I can tire of the formula when the project is lazy or a blatant ripoff, cash grab. But every once and again, I'll stumble across something new, like... Footprints on the Moon from 1975, written by Luigi Bazzoni and Mario Fanelli, starring Florinda Bolkin, and even the amazing and overly dubbed Klaus Kinski. This is unlike any giallo I've ever seen. It's more like a Hitchcock suspense film with an unreliable narrator whose memory lapses and paranoia fuel her desire to dig deep into the mystery. Shockingly, there's no nudity. Practically no nudity. There is a sex scene, but it's very tastefully done and there's you can't see anything. And pretty much next to no violence. There's one violent scene towards the end, but again, it's not overly done. So no nudity and no violence to speak of? Is it a giallo? Some people say no, but it clearly is. Because there is a presiding miasma of creeping doom and profound sadness in the main character's plight. She can't remember where what happened over the last few days. And when she does find out, because she is a detective, not in life, but you know, she becomes the detective of the story. She basically unravels her own mystery. I would be stunned if Christopher Nolan hadn't seen this sometime before he directed Memento, because there are some structural similarities to the plot. But if you enjoy a slow burn psychological thriller, sit back with a nice glass of Italian red wine and give Footprints on the Moon a spin. But guys, that's going to be it for this episode of the Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile, visit lovecrafttapes.com for up-to-date information about our podcast and subscribe to our live streams at twitch.tv slash lovecrafttapes or youtube.com slash lovecrafttapes. You can chat with me in real time at discord.lovecrafttapes.com. And uh, once again, I'm asking if anybody understands how to break my Will Wheaton dice curse, that'd be really helpful. Uh, you can hit me up on either Mastodon or Blue Sky at The Real Weird Kid. Please, I'm begging you. And if someone would like to help me come up with a suitable salt delivery system, leave me a note at Linktree slash Lupine Vendetta, all one word. You can find all the other places that I am on actual plays and you can even find the coffee there. I have coffee. If anybody can help me get the uh, pocket sand pouch patent before Rose takes it, <laughs> please reach out to me. Pocket salt, pocket salt, pocket salt. On Discord, and I will take all of the money. Until next time, roll four. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2023. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.